Praying in the Spirit got me going there. Okay, so <clears throat> let me get my stuff opened here. And we're going to get to pick up where we left off last uh, Monday, Wednesday night on prophecy and get into some things. Uh, last week we talked about what prophecy does, the benefits of prophecy. And I have, you know, I've, it's just since we've been on this, I've encountered people that don't even know we're on this that will start talking about prophecy. Ministers, both, every time it was a minister and they had a fear. There was some sort of a fear of prophecy. And so let me just uh, uh, clear up a couple of things. Uh, I think that going over the purposes of prophecy helps. Uh, number one, we said was we would, when we, Prop, we're, when prop, with prophesying, we're looking for treasure. In other words, we're looking for those people that will respond to a word of God, and people are always God's treasure. And then number two, we said that prophecy calls out the treasure and restores holiness to the church. So even people that are born again, but if they're away from God, there's something about prophecy that tells them God's not mad at them, that tells them God still has a purpose for their life, and it, it, it brings them out of a lifestyle where they're not living maybe holy and causes them to live. I know even prophecy makes me want to live more righteously, to live, to live more in my destiny and less in just kind of getting through the days. Number three, it's looking for gold in the midst of dirt. We talked about how easy it is to find the dirt in people's lives. That's just readily seen, but that you have to dig to find gold. And so it's um, uh, taking the eyes of God, seeing with the eyes of God to see the gold in broken people. And then uh, number four, that it discloses the secrets of men's hearts. That's what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 14. We won't take the time again to look at that scripture, 1424 to be exact. But when we, when when God shows us something and by the Spirit and we uh, speak that to people, if that, the Bible says that if um, the, if they're not walking with God, if they're not walking close to God, that when it, when the secrets of their heart are disclosed, and that's not the trash, that we're not all calling out the dirt, but we're always calling out the gold. When God calls out the good in them and the destiny he has for their life, that it'll cause them, and this is what the Bible says, to fall down and worship him. Hallelujah. So I think that's pretty awesome right there. And then number five, that prophetic ministry can change people's hearts. We found that in 1 Samuel 9, 21, where it says the spirit of prophecy came and Saul was changed into another man. And I, I believe that so much. Hallelujah. I do believe, though, that the church is not known what to do with prophecy. I'm talking about it, not the... Like, not like the river church, but individuals in the church that they've gotten prophecy and they didn't know how to pray. They, that you, they didn't know that prophecy is not something where God says, this is an automatic. There is maybe some prophecy that's automatic. For instance, though there's prophecies in the Word of God that are going to come to pass, like the Antichrist is going to come whether we believe for him or not. Well, we're not believing ever believing for the Antichrist. But you know what I'm saying? There's nothing we can pray to stop it. There's, no, there's set appointed times in the Word of God that are going to happen. And we can't stop them, neither can we hurry them up even, because they're going to happen at appointed time. And uh, so then number uh, six, that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. That means to build up, to call up, or to cheer up. Exhortation actually means to encourage. Hallelujah. And when we get encouraged, we get called up to a higher place. Number seven is to jumpstart people into their destiny. I know that's happened so many times where somebody gave us a prophecy and it caused us to pray, which led us then to the will of God. It happened big time in getting us from farming to pastoring. In not back in the early 80s, it happened big when God was ready to transition us from from uh, Seminole, Texas to to Alabama, and then even when we were in Alabama, we were in Birmingham in Trustville, and it happened again for God to transition us. And many things times He transitions us in the church. He awakens us that transitions coming. Then we start to pray and we seek Him, and then we find out exactly the details because prophecy is always. Never the whole story. God never brings you the whole story through a prophet. He just 
quirks your imagination. He just he just makes you know that there's something here that that you need to be paying attention. And it gets us paying attention. Hallelujah. So then we talked about that. And then we talked about the myths of the prophetic, myths about prophecy that are readily believed in the church. Hallelujah. And myth number one was uh, we do not need the gifts of the Spirit. We need the fruit. And we can have both. How, how many of you know we can have both? And we do need both. And fruit grows. But the gifts of the Spirit are just that. They're endowments. They're gifts. We can pray for them and ask for them, uh, just like a child asks his daddy for a bicycle for his birthday. But we cannot uh, grow them. We, not, we do not grow in them. And so, therefore, uh, if, if the children's ministers have Andrew and Emily and all them pray for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in their lives, God will answer, and the gifts of the Spirit will operate in their lives, even though they are not mature Christians. Although sometimes children are bearing, you know, good fruit. They're bearing good fruit, but they may not have mature fruit. Children are usually... Uh, they usually are selfish. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Would y'all know that? But, you know, and so... Um, <clears throat> That's what child training is all about, isn't it? Helping them. And myth two, seek the giver, not the gifts. How many of you ever heard that saying? Hallelujah. Well, we can seek the giver and the gifts. Hallelujah. Myth number three, seeking spiritual gifts is selfish. And it's, but it's not. Spiritual gifts are never selfish. You could have the wrong motive, like to be seen or to be important or, you know, I'm going to be, a, I want to. But asking God for gifts to release to other people because the gifts of the Spirit are for you to help other people. That cannot be a selfish act. And God can, if someone does have a bad motive, God can take care of that. Myth number four, asking for spiritual gifts opens us to demonic deception. And we spent quite a bit of time on that last time. How that when we ask for uh, bread, God does not give us a stone. Hallelujah. If we ask for... I forget what the other three were right now. It's not popping in my mind. But he does not ever give us a stone, a serpent, or a scorpion for when we ask for bread, when we ask for good things. Hallelujah. And he does not allow the devil to give us those bad things when we're asking him for good things. Now, let me uh, say in myth number five, did we cover that? Uh, is a few only a few special people are called to prophesy. We found out that's not so. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, that we may all prophesy. Hallelujah. And it says for us all to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So go ahead and be asking for the gifts of the Spirit. And you have all the gifts residing on the inside of you because the gifts belong to the Holy Spirit and you have Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So you don't just have one gift. He, when He came, He brought all of Himself. And so you have every gift residing on the inside of you. Now, in any different, any given situation, God may choose to use one gift and another gift. I heard one... I I tend to kind of believe this, but this really uh, uh, mature prophetic guy says that really there's not just nine gifts of the Spirit, that God only told us nine. But there are many other gifts of the Spirit. And he talked about how some of them are even revealed in the Old Testament. And so, but we know one thing, that even within the nine gifts of the Spirit, there's many ways to operate those different gifts of the Spirit. When we first came into the, uh, in baptism of the Holy Spirit in 1980, and then we began to uh, go to some meetings over in Seminole, we were still living in Seagraves, still farming, and we began to go to these meetings in Seminole. They had a pastor and his wife, uh, their last name was Thompson, her name was Louise, um, forgetting his name, but they were from Plano, Texas, and they were a pastor and his wife. And then the past, the guy that was heading up uh, the church in Seminole, who didn't, he, who turned it over to us, he, um, he was uh, very much a prophet. He was a prophet, there's no doubt, and operated very highly and proficiently in the spiritual gifts. Um, and, uh, but he, uh, when this couple came, he would, uh, she would prophesy, uh, she would speak in tongues and act it out. I mean, not bit, not little, all over the stage, acting out this thing. And then he would interpret and do the very same exact motions. And it wasn't like a short thing either. Uh, you, there's no way you could have memorized the motions. And he would interpret and act out those uh, motions at the same time. It was a, it was a, it was a different take 
on tongues and interpretation of tongues. And so we have that in the body of Christ that even among the gifts, there's so many. We Didn't we study nine ways to receive a word of knowledge? And we might even see some more tonight. I think you'll see some more ways that I, we hadn't even thought about then that you can receive a word of knowledge uh, and hear God. Ways to hear His voice. There's so many ways to hear God's voice. God doesn't just speak one way. And most all Christians are hearing His voice. They just don't know that they're hearing His voice. And first of all, and the very first thing we're going to talk about tonight, and I'll say it now, but I'll say it again, is most people aren't paying attention. Amen. So, hallelujah. We're going to get started tonight on that. But what, let's talk about a few things. Uh, you know, one thing, and we're going to maybe talk about this more later, but the body of Christ has an aversion to mistakes. And you might as well just get over it. As long as there's human beings, I mean, you wouldn't expect a pastor in the pulpit preaching to never make a mistake. So why would we expect a prophet to never make a mistake? And besides, the Bible says where prophecy is concerned, we see through a glass darkly. And, you know, we're picking up on things in the Spirit. When you're sensitive to the Spirit, I may be picking up on something, and I think God's talking about garland, but He's not. He's talking about a net because they're sitting there close together. And I've been standing in a line before in the front of the church, it, like for ministers or something, and the prophet get right beside me to somebody and start giving them a word, and I go, that's mine. That is me. That is my word. But, you know, he, they were just one person off. They were picking it up, but they were one person off. And so you just, when those, in those situations, you don't say, hey, you're missing it, that's me. You just take it, and hallelujah. Because it could be both, but this was so specific, I don't think it could have been both. Hallelujah. And so um, we see through a glass darkly, and, and we wouldn't expect the evangelist to have 100% success when they go out and they win souls on the street, would we? We know that they're going to get turned down sometime. We know that for sure. But, but we sometimes expect when we get over into the gifts of the Spirit that if they're not 100% accurate, you know, then we just don't, we, we're just scared of it. And we're scared of the prophet that he might not be accurate. And we're scared to step out ourselves in these gifts of the Spirit that we might not be accurate. But we're going to have to get over that. Because you are going to miss it sometimes. You're going to go up to people and say, Ma'am, I'm just sensing something. Do you, is, do you have any relatives that are sick, going through sickness or anything? And, they're, and you're going to have people say no to you. And sometimes they say no because you just missed it. Sometimes they say no because they're afraid and they don't want to admit it. You know, some people say no to things that you ask them, even though you hit it, because of pride. And you're just going to have to say, you're going to have to be able to embrace mystery. I don't know where that went wrong, but I'm not going to let one miss it make me stop. Hallelujah. And, of course, the more we practice, the more accurate we get. The more we listen to God's voice, the more we recognize God's voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And we can always talk to somebody about this. But don't go talk to an unbeliever. I mean, how many people have been stopped in the Spirit-filled life because they went and talked to their Baptist pastor about getting filled Spirit speaking in tongues? I can name some. And you're going to get that's of the devil. And no, even if they think it's right, they're going to discourage you because they know they're going to lose you. They're not going to say, that is God, go after it, go down to that church. Keep That would be a rare one in a million pastor that would say, boy, that is right. Go after that prophecy stuff. Oh, they go, oh, that's dangerous. Oh, and you might even, you know, uh, I've, I've found that uh, spirit-filled pastors that we have visited with, we, you know, part of our ministry is to, the Lord told us concerning other ministers, He said to strengthen the brethren. So we have opportunity on the phone and in person to visit with many ministers throughout the week because we're believing God that we have that ministry to strengthen them. And so we call them, they call us, and also we, we meet them places and things like that. That's part of our ministry when we're not with y'all. And so, uh, but... And without us even talking about prophecy, twice recently, I've had different little fears expressed through pastors of prophecy. Hallelujah. So let me say this, because one of them was around this. Prophecy is never going to take the place of us knowing the Word of God. Ever. 
and people that just live on prophecy and they don't know the word of God and there are some what do you call them out there they you know they just go from one prophetic meeting to another trying to get a word they, there are people out there like that. You, I don't know any, but I've heard there was. And you don't know any. But they're not ever going to get very far if they're not basing their lives on the Word of God and speaking the Word of God. Prophecy is not for us to live from prophecy to prophecy. Prophecy is to cue us in that we need to listen to God and pray because He's wanting to tell us something that, that He's going to do in our lives or He's wanting to move us to a higher place, a, a better place. He's wanting to grow us and he's wanting to mature us, but we have to base our whole entire life on the Word of God. Now, thankfully, I'm preaching to the choir here because you've been studying the Word of God and basing your life on it for 40 years. So you're a prime candidate to be excellent in the spiritual gifts. But you're going to find people that sometimes they may even prophesy wrong. Why? Because they don't know the Word of God. You won't prophesy wrong because you're not going to prophesy something wrongly because you know the word of God amen you've been building it in you and 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 you can't live on uh, what the prophet says if it well you can't even accept what the prophet says if it goes against the word of God you but you can't live on it if that's all you've got if you get a word from heaven about something then back it up with scripture I mean like pray the scriptures about it that's what I'm saying okay so we got to get over to the aversion to mistakes. Because, you know, we were taught, if you were raised Baptist, it was like decently in an order. And that meant quiet, shut up. <laughs> it didn't mean anything what the Word says. Because life is messy. And when you start having the life of God, eternal Zoe, supernatural life, abundant life it's gonna be messy it's not gonna be neat and proper you just think about a babe birthing a baby it is that's life that's bringing forth life and it is messy and it's noisy sometimes too <laughs> yeah there's and and that's the way revival is when life starts hitting people they could get noisy they could get messy so we're, you know, decently in an order is not having a, a bulletin that says these three hymns and, and don't vary from this and, and this is what the pastor's going to preach and this is what he's going to preach six months from now and, uh, you know, and we're going to fill in blanks. Because, and I, we've been through the, hey, this is not new stuff. Dear Lord, we were we got in the filling in the blanks ministry in the late 80s, and we were filling in the blanks every week. We we know, and we were getting the books that told you what you was going to preach next week and fill in the blanks. And we said, you know, that's not Holy Ghost. Brother Hagin used to say that he had everything. He's so old that everything had come around three times. He had seen it all three times. Me and Pastor, I, and I was like, that is interesting because I was never going to get old, you know. But now, even us, we've been in this long enough, 30, uh, since 1980, however long that is, 34 years. We've been 34 years in this, and we've seen some things come around twice. And these little young guys that are out there letting you fill in the blank every Sunday, they didn't think of that. Because been there, done that, and didn't like it. Didn't get the T-shirt. Didn't want the T-shirt. I like the Holy Ghost. Amen. But if you put it in a neat little package, you because there's two kinds of people out there right now that are on either side of me and you. There's the kind over here that want a, a, they want a positive message that doesn't, ruffle anything but then there's some people over here they want hellfire and brimstone and and the reason they both like that is because i don't have to change i'm not responsible for anything these over here because nothing's ever preached that can make you change or be responsible for anything and these over here hellfire and brimstone everybody likes that going to those churches because they're all saved and so they don't care they love hearing the pastor say turn or burn and all that because they know they're going and head to heaven and so you're not stepping on my toes hallelujah but then right here and this we turn up the heat because we don't say we say saved is not good enough we say god wants you to grow god wants you to mature god wants you to put aside 
uh, and we're preaching to ourselves too. God wants us to put aside the things and not be influenced by this world and by everything that's coming down the pike. And, and you know, uh, you know, we, the most people know the movies better than they know their Bible. Even Pam, when she said that a while ago, that was a movie quote when she said, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I was thinking, uh-huh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> that's what I was, I mean, isn't, <laughs> I mean, isn't that bad when you, when, when you think of those things when somebody says them? I know she didn't think of it, but that's what I thought of. And I don't even watch movies. There are about, most movies that are, you know, um, out of my rating anymore my rating sensor <laughs> hallelujah i don't watch a lot of movies <laughs> and if i do i usually watch old ones so uh but i boy i tell you what back in the day i was i was upset about forrest gump i was i wouldn't even watch it and and uh, i was mad at the seventh grade teacher that showed it to my seventh grader because she was lazy and showing movies Boy, I was hot at her. She's still there, still teaching. I saw it the other day in the news. Hallelujah. So anyway, <clears throat> anyway, back to our aversion for mistakes. Uh, Proverbs 14.4 is the ox stall principle. Y'all want to look that up? We might ought to because I can't quote it. Proverbs 14.4. If you want life, it's going to be messy. And Brother Hagin even used to say, I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. Isn't that what he said? But I, uh, hallelujah, I don't think a lot of people heard that when he said it. Wherein are no oxen, where, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of the ox. And so here, does, you want me to explain that to you? If you don't have any ox in your barn, there's not going to be any manure. And so if you don't have any life, there's not going to be any mess. Hallelujah. But the more life you have, the more you have going on, the more people get and say, deliverance is messy. People puke sometimes when they get delivered. They do. They throw up. And they sometimes fall on the floor. And the Bible, in one time, it threw him in the fire right in front of Jesus. Don't worry. You'll never see it because we medicate demons in America. Hallelujah. <laughs> you probably could see it. You actually could see it, but anyway. We took care of that. Hallelujah. <laughs> it didn't help the people, but we, you know, it didn't set them free, but we took care of it. Uh, so increase in the church comes with a price. It's the messy stall, but there is no other valid option. That means increase. I'm talking about increase in the life of the church, increase in hallelujah. We must change from honoring order to honoring life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we don't make people feel uncomfortable if they go into manifestation because the Holy Ghost gets on them. Maybe people are going to shout, they're going to scream, they're going to squeal, they're going to dance. They're going to they're going to dance so hard they fall on the floor and then they're going to they're going to you know and they're going to do all sorts of stuff. They're going to knock people down. They're going to knock holes in the wall. They're, and we're going to have to have somebody come in and patch and paint that week. They're going to break chairs. We've seen that happen. We've seen chairs get broke. We've seen uh, pulpits get broke. Pews have been broke. All of those things. But people get free. That's the that's important. We've seen. I've heard about. I heard about somebody run out in the parking lot, and start jumping on top of all the cars. Now the usher should have caught them at the door. <laughs> Hallelujah or something. But <laughs> whoo, that would be. Mm, uh, we're not we're not advertising for that. But but people quit thinking when they when the Holy Ghost hits them. Hallelujah. So Eric. They head out that door, you run right behind them. We want some, and any other track stars we have in here. You runners, you runners that run every day, that's your job. Chase them. Hallelujah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, hallelujah. Da- there's, uh, you know what? There's danger and safety. I'm going to say that again. There's danger in safety. You know, Pastor talked to me about this today, but I already have this in my notes. And I'm telling you, this is not me. If you could have seen me going to get uh, Andrew Tuesday, was it Monday? Monday, you'd have said, you wouldn't say this about me. But you can drive so slow to be safe that you're dangerous. You ever get behind those little people in Tuscaloosa and they're trying to be so safe? That they are, they're causing danger all around. You know? Uh, There's danger in making our walk with God safer than He has made it. Because you're going to miss God. That's the danger. You're going to miss the blessing. You're going to miss life. Uh, Focusing on extremes and mistakes of a small minority in order to create safety for a group. In other words, the man that runs out and jumps on the cars, well, then we could make a rule, even though it was just one person, and we're not happy that he jumped on our car. We are not happy. We're not saying we're happy. But we're saying that we shouldn't make doctrine or make up rules to stop the move of God because somebody messed up. And that's exactly why what happened in Toronto. Randy Clark, who was the past, the, not the minister that started the Toronto Blessing when he went to preach a revival in, at the Toronto Airport Church, who the pastors are John and Carol are not, he had just gone to a, to a uh, Rodney Howard Brown meeting in Florida, and then he went to a Rodney Howard Brown meeting at Rama Bible Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Rodney Howard Brown was preaching, and this is what the story they told us. Uh, and we heard it from reliable source like Mark Brzee. Mark Brzee said he was hit out in the balcony so nobody would see him. Because you know what happens in Rodney Howard Brown means is everybody falling on the floor and laughing. That was what was happening in the 90s. It was a move of the Holy Ghost. It was a move of God. And so for three days, they said that Rama Bible Church, all the students from Rama sat there and just looked at him. And wasn't responding to what Rodney was preaching. Now, this is on good authority. But on the third day, Brother Hagen got up and said, This is God. And the whole place just went wild, crazy. They were just suppressing it for three days. And so they just went crazy, wild, and everything. And so they had a move of God at Raymond and everything. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Mark Brzee got out of the attic. He was hiding up here because he said, That's not my style. He tells this testimony all the time. He said, That's not my style. And so he, he came down out of the, and everybody's full of the Holy Ghost, and everybody's laughing, and we're having Holy Ghost means we're running, and, and, you know, we're doing all sorts of things. That's when the running, the dancing in the Spirit, and the laughing got back in the, the church worldwide. Well, Randy Clark left that meeting, went to Toronto Airport, and God starts a big revival there. And thousands and thousands of people came from all over the world, and it went on six years or something like that. I can't even remember how long. This revival. And it's a big move of God. But people, the Spirit-filled people, because this is what we heard. We were living in Seminole. Oh, you don't want to go up there. Because, and they pointed out the mistakes and a few extremes that just a few minorities, because... Just a few min- just a few people, not the ministers, just a few people acted a little crazier than something they had seen before. We heard somebody barked. <laughs> Hallelujah. We did. We heard somebody barked and you don't want to get so the whole group a whole segment of the body of Christ totally missed the revival of God, and it set the church back 20 years because we responded to the extremes of a few minor things that happened in revival. We ignored all the blessings, all the healings, all the people that got set free. Now, the the, uh, Moundville pastors, Debbie and Wayne White, went took people out of their church. I think they were pastoring down at uh, 
melting then. They took people with them. And they said, they got so full of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is what she told me. I promise she told us this. So saturated with God that when they got on the airport to come, airplane to come back home, when they walked down the aisle, people got slain in the Spirit when they walked by them. Just some country folks from, they're in Moundville now. They moved up in the world. They, they were in Melton before. Yeah, they're metro now. Hallelujah. And uh, praise God. And so I just made up my mind. And then, and then we, we didn't receive encouragement. I wouldn't say we received discouragement, but we received no encouragement to go to Brownsville. Did anybody go to Brownsville in here? Well, there was no encouragement being given out at that time because a lot of times we're afraid that somebody else is going to have something we don't have and we're jealous and, and you know, and, and, and you know, you might, that some of that Assembly of God doctrine might have rubbed off on you from, it was Brownsville Assembly, but hallelujah. So everybody else in the whole world just about went to Brownsville, but did we go? No. And we were in Alabama by the time it was not over yet. It wasn't, it was way into it. So I just made up my mind, we're not doing that anymore. If they're having a revival, I don't care what they say about them. So we went to Lakeland, Florida, to the Todd Bentley revival. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's tattooed and he's pierced and he's... Uh, and, then he came, and then he got into, he got in a mess in his own personal life after that. But I don't care. I don't care. If, the God, if God's moving... I don't care. I don't care what they're pierced with. I don't care what they got tattooed on them. If God's there. Hallelujah. I'm not going to turn it down anymore because there's, you know, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And He'll use us too. Hallelujah. So we formulate teachings that cause people to come, become too cautious, extremely cautious, and extremely fearful. And being extremely cautious and extremely fearful is extreme. It makes you exactly what you fear. You fear being extreme, and now you're extremely cautious and extremely fearful. So you are the extreme. And uh, hallelujah. And it stops the gifts and it stops the move of God. And we need to cooperate with our brothers and sisters. If God starts moving at North Church of God and He's pouring out His Spirit there, and I'm not talking about a three-day revival. I'm talking about revival hits at Northport Church of God. I'm going to go. And I already told Pastor Avery now, we tell him when, we, when, he's, when he's leaving, we'll say, now, if revival hits this week at Victorious Life, call us. We'll be out there. Because <laughs> we're all praying for revival. Or if it hits at Moundville, I'm going. Hallelujah. I'm going. Hallelujah. There will always be mistakes. We have calls. Sometimes there's been an extreme distrust in... Uh, there's also, this is another distrust that's come, and it, this is, has to do with ministers, not y'all. But ministers have, have gotten a distrust for their people. And I want to tell you something right up front. Pastor and I trust y'all. We trust you to move in the gifts. We release you to move in the gifts and the prophetic. And uh, we, won't, we don't want, you know, the Holy Ghost doesn't ever interrupt himself, so don't stand up and interrupt Pastor while he's preaching. But we usually give place for you to move in the gifts at some point. Now, right now, we're the size we can maybe do that more because if you had 3,000 people, you might not, you could go for three, six days straight letting everybody prophesy. So that's why the Bible says by, two, by three, you know, three is enough in a service and that's not limiting us to three if there's just uh, this many here we might could have six but this was a bit you know it's just that hallelujah when you can't when you you have to do other things besides just prophesy all day hallelujah so the mistakes and errors that people make will be very small in comparison to the fruit that is born by the prophetic ministry now, it is true when word gets out that you're prophetic that people will show up that just come in off the street and, and uh, there might be a little strange. But, you know, we'll figure out how to handle it when it happens. We'd rather have fire 
wildfire than no fire. Hallelujah. So we want the prophetic. Well, I haven't spent all that time, and it's not that far from leaving time, just talking about the introduction. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. But I'm going to read to you tonight. This is a book. This is not about prophecy. This is, And we're studying prophecy. Actually, what we're endeavoring to do is, start, is uh, to bring this church completely under revival culture. And the 12 things that they have studied out and said that you must have in your church in order to have a revival culture, I'll give them to you real quick, is uh, the first one is family, and it has to do with spiritual fathers and mothers and spiritual sons and daughters. In other words, we're to have a family mentality. You're to have a spiritual fathers and mothers in your life, You make, and you can have more than one. You can have spiritual sons and daughters in your life, and you should, and you should have more than one. People that you're mentoring, that you're influencing. Amen? So that's the first one. The second one is the goodness of God. And so we've spent a lot long time, all up in 2013, we spent a lot of time on spiritual fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, and the goodness of God. Number two is the goodness of God, which we already had a pretty big handle on the goodness of God, but we have emphasized that even more, that God's good. Uh, risk and faith, and that's what Firestarters was all about, is taking a risk. And some of you didn't really risk I came, I came, and I saw that a lot of you haven't stirred that up enough yet and haven't stirred up the gifts in you, and you need to stir those up, and you need to start taking risks. And so we're doing that in this, in this class that we're having on Wednesday night. And then honor, and we talked about the, that until you have honor in your church, you cannot have revival. There's going to be, you know, there has to be honor for the pastor, there has to be honor for other, any other of the fivefold ministry in the church. There has to be honor for the people. There has to be honor amongst each other. Amen. And then, uh, so having, and, and especially honor for God. And I should say, even here, honor for His Word and honor for the gifts of the Spirit, too. Hallelujah. We have to love them so much, the gifts of the Spirit, that if somebody messes up, we don't quit. We still want the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. And then prophecy. You cannot really have revival without the prophetic culture. The reason is, is because you have to hear from God. You have to be able to help people. There has to be hope. Hope comes through prophecy. Great hope. It lifts our spirits. When we hear a prophecy about what God's going to do with this church, it helps us get through the day when it seems like he, it's not moving. It's not changing. It gives us something to anchor our hope on. And so we must have prophecy and the prophetic in revival. And then grace and empowerment. Hallelujah. I think that's self-explanatory. Releasing the supernatural. We have to know how to release the supernatural. Release it. We release it in prayer. We had very, I mean, I'm telling you what, we stirred up the supernatural in prayer tonight. I don't know why, but, and, and I want to just tell you about prayer. Let me talk about prayer. Prayer will bring you such hope, such encouragement. We get encouraged. We get hopeful. I mean, I'm telling you, we get excited. We get joy in prayer. Not We're not up here under a burden and oh, all just, ah. You know, I, I tell you what, if you believe that prayer is burdensome and unhappy, you need to buy Benny Johnson's book, The Happy Intercessor. Hallelujah. And she will, and we've had people in our church before that they were just down and depressed and it's so big and we can, how could we ever pray this enough? And, you know, and, and it's just not working. And, and I'm not, we, we don't believe that. We believe our prayers are working. They're affecting this county. When we pray, even if it's just for that short time, and we say we're plowing up University Boulevard, then we're plowing it up. Hallelujah. God's doing something. It is impossible for us to pray and something not to happen. Hallelujah. This morning I was praying, and uh, I was going through the... And, and you can do this. I don't know if you've ever done this, but while you're praying sometimes, just go to a place in your prayers and just be in the Spirit. Just look around the room. And so I came to the church in my prayers, and I'm going through every room, 
And I'm just looking in the room. And they're empty. I'm looking in empty rooms and I'm just saying, Lord, you know, I'm just looking in this room. And I'm feeling it too. I'm, I'm looking to see what's the sense I have about this room. And I came up that there's three rooms in this church that need to be prayed over. But I saw in children's church, and there was water dripping from the ceiling in children's church. There was little drips of water. And I, we're, we weren't having a leak. God was not warning me, it's going to rain, the roof's going to leak. No, this was, there was raindrops falling on those kids. It wasn't pouring down, but there was drops falling on the kids in children's church. That was awesome. And the presence of God was in the hallway right there that when you walk down that hall you walk through a you walk through a corridor of his presence it's like you go through a spiritual car wash before you ever get in this room isn't that awesome and then when we were praying tonight i saw three angels on this side and three angels on this side and i said boy that is so good there's an angel three angels on each side of me i was excited about that but i saw the angels go out and this is before any of you came in all uh, sniffing and snorting and coughing like we did two weeks before. Don't blame us. But anyway, and, and it was like the angels dropped, put little drops of something on your head. And I said, what is that? I thought in my heart, what is that? And I heard it's medicine. And it's also preventative medicine. So receive that tonight. If you have already had have symptoms in your body, then receive medicine tonight. And if you ha ha just receive for preventative medicine for the rest of the year. If you've had the the croupy crud, let's just receive preventative medicine that we're not going to happen again into 14. Not coming on me in 14 anymore. Hallelujah. Okay, so receive that. And then what am I on? Uh, releasing the supernatural. So we release that to you right now. And they just are going forth right now. They're putting it on you as we speak. Joy and hope. Hallelujah. We've been really promoting hope. And in this negativity fast for the, for the time of Lent, uh, that's going to, that's, that's, that's when you embrace the positive and leave the negative behind, that's hope. That's bringing hope to you. It brings hope to everybody around you. Uh, you can brighten up the room by speaking hope versus the negative. Valuing his presence. We've worked on that. Getting in the presence of God. Going to keep working on all of these. Salvation and righteousness. Hallelujah. That we are, and we're working towards this. That we are, that, hallelujah. Many people go to heaven because of your life. Generosity. And then Revelation and the Word. And we've been working on that for many years, Revelation and the Word. So, hallelujah. We're way down the road on some of these, but some of them still working on. Okay, I'm going to read to you from this book. So I started out to say, this is a book called Dream Language. It's about dreams. But I want what I read to you, I, don't, I want you to not just hear dreams. I want you to hear dreams and, all, and hearing from God and all of the other gifts of the Spirit, okay? Because it pertains to all the gifts of the Spirit, to hearing from God, and to dreams. This is The name of this chapter is Dream Legacy. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I know you're glad. Dream Legacy in Hebraic and Christian History. Most Christians today are virtually ignorant of the rich heritage of dream language and revelation, and we could say in gifts of the Spirit, bequeathed to them by the church throughout its history. Actually, this legacy is older than the church. Christian dream language, like the church itself, has its roots in ancient Judaism. With such a long history, why is important dimension of Christian experience either unknown or dismissed by so many believers? Partation of spiritual gifts, particularly the sign gifts of prophecy, healing, miracles, and tongues, ceased with the death of the last apostle or when the written canon of Scripture was completed. This teaching holds that the gifts of the Spirit were necessary in the formative days of the church but are no longer needed since we now have the completed Bible as our authority, revelation, and guide for Christian living. Cessationist teaching has done great damage to the church. 
by discouraging countless believers from pursuing and experiencing the fullest life in the Spirit. With God, there is no variation or shifting shadow. In other words, God never changes what God did long ago and throughout history. He does today and will continue always to do. He is eternally the God of now. Dream language is the language of the ages. This is one of the mysterious ways that God intersects our lives. He invades our comfort zones. He visits us in the night and simply speaks to us. Dream language has gotten a bad rap in the church also, and I wanted you to hear this part, because of its wide acceptance among New Agers. Check out the New Age section of any bookstore, and you will find plenty of books on dreaming, dream types and categories, and dream interpretation. Many Christians reason that anything popular with the New Age movement must not have anything to do with the church. They are right from a certain perspective, of course, but dreaming is not the exclusive province of the New Age. In fact, the New Age movement hijacked the concept of spiritual dreams from a much older biblical tradition. It is high time that we, the true church of Jesus Christ, take back our inheritance and stop giving away our territory to the kingdom of darkness. It's payback time. Dreams, visions, and interpretations are a part of virtually every culture and religion on earth and have been throughout the ages. This is even truer for Judaism and Christianity than any of the other religions as Jews and Christians worship the one true God who is the author of Revelation. To accept dreaming as a legitimate medium for spiritual revelation and communication then is to follow the flow of history, especially biblical and church history. Praise God. So what my point is, is that we shouldn't let a teaching in the church like cessationism, which is wrong, stop and limit us from the fullness of the spirit-filled life, even if we let it just stop us partway. For instance, we believe in the gifts of the spirit, but we let that, that teaching or the the fears associated with that teaching stop us from operating personally in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, when we came into the charismatic movement in 1980, we didn't have any teachers. The people that got us filled with the Spirit, they weren't teachers. They were just lay people just like uh, we were. And they, were lay, they were Baptists that had got filled with the Spirit in the lay renewal. And they'd come out from the Baptist church, and they didn't know, I can tell you for, from hanging out with them, they didn't know much of anything about the Word. Now they, But they were praising and worshiping God all the time, singing Scripture songs, walking down the hallway, saying, praise God, thank you, Jesus, just loving on God. And that's what attracted us to them. It wasn't the great Word that they knew. It was their worship and praise for God and being free in that. We were just like, wow, we never... At that time, we'd never heard anybody say praise the Lord or hallelujah or glory to God. Never. And we sure hadn't heard anybody speak in tongues. So we were very attracted to them. And so we got filled with the Spirit. And, you know, because we had no teacher, we just believed the Word. So we, didn't, we just believed we could operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And so we started praying, boy, we're, I'm asking the Lord, oh, God, you know, help me to be sensitive to the Spirit. I want to hear you, Lord. And that's what I was praying about. I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is great. I just loved it. I just was like, oh, this is awesome. And you'd hear tongues and just chills would go up your spine. And, you know, we loved the gifts of the Spirit. We'd cry over speaking in tongues, just weep and cry over it. And then, and then prophecy had come forth, and we were just like, oh, man, we were so excited. God was, we never heard of God speaking to anybody. And it was like, we wanted, we wanted all of it. We wanted to hear it every night. We got together every night. We fellowshiped. We prayed. We were with people every night. Oh, man, we're just seeking God. We wanted to hear Him. We wanted somebody to prophesy. Lo, somebody prophesy. Somebody speak in tongues. And man, if we heard if there was, we, we were living in Seagraves, three and a half hours for Abilene. We heard this man was going to be in Abilene, Texas, speaking, named Jim Spillman. And he had gotten, he was a pastor in Denver that Catherine Kuhlman had come to his church. And he was, and, and uh, man, we just, we drove three and a half hours to hear him and three and a half hours back that night. I mean, that was like no big deal. And then we heard that there was going to be this, this preacher. I think he, he had died. This guy that had died, he'd wrote a book, E.B., 
Dr. Eby had died and wrote a book about it. He's what had, so he was in Denver City, which was just 18 miles away. Man, we loaded up our car with two other couples. I don't know what we did with our kids. I guess we just did something, <laughs> you know, because we all had kids. But anyway, we did something with them. We got in our Suburban, and all the way over there, we just sang Scripture songs and praised the Lord, and this is the day, and hallelujah. And we were just, Mom, we were, Mom, we, we were, you know what we were? And this is what the church needs to get back to. We were saturated with His Spirit. We were in saturation. And when you're in saturation, you don't have to say, man, I really ought not to watch this movie, but sure is good, and I sure do want to watch it. And I, and, uh, but man, I know it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I know this isn't good. You don't have to do that. You don't even want to. It's like laying aside laying aside things that are not good. No problem. Hallelujah. Praying all night. No problem. No problem. It's no problem because I'm in saturation. So we go over there, and it's this little bitty Baptist church in Denver City, and we're all just fired up, and we're on fire, the six of us, and that was the deadest. I bet that guy was like, why did this pastor bring me to this church? That church was so dead, and everybody was just looking at him. But we were excited. I don't know. I mean, we pulled him through. I bet you he was going, man, I don't know who those six people were, but I'm glad they showed up because we were, we were, we were. And then you know what we did all the way home, 18 miles. We just sang in the spirit. We sang in tongues. We, you know, and we sang scripture songs. Hallelujah. Because we were in saturation. You're not embarrassed. You know, now you'd go, that is so weird. But you're not embarrassed when you're saturated with the Spirit. You're not embarrassed. You know, hallelujah. We'd go to Lubbock shopping. We'd say, well, me and my friends, we'd say, we're going to go to Lubbock shopping. So I'd take my Bible with me. All the way, we, all the way. It's like, you didn't go anywhere without your Bible when you're in saturation. Hallelujah. And we never went to Lubbock. We didn't go to Good News Bookstore. And I, and, and I was going shopping with my little church Christ friend. I don't know what she thought about it. Well, I do know. She was okay with it because her mother was Pentecostal. So she made it. She was making it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, that's what the Lord gave me this week is we got to get back to saturation. Because sometimes we're just fighting. We're fighting to do the right thing. And when you're saturated, you don't even have to fight. Hallelujah. It's easy to do the right thing. I don't. I know some of you have been saturated before. Maybe it was when you first got filled with the Spirit, and you're just wild. You'll tell anybody. I know this girlfriend of mine. She called me on the phone. I used to work with her at the carbon black plant. I used to make carbon black. Hallelujah. Well, actually, I just worked in the office, but. <laughs> Would you put that right in there? Maybe it won't go in. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, and so she called me on the phone. She said, she said, uh, and she was just telling me all her problems. Like, oh, my kid is so sick. And just there, she's, he's sick all the time. And he's got allergies. And he's got all this. And so I'm just listening to this. Because I used to work with her. And so she said, I, I said, well, I'll tell you what I'd do if I was you. She said, what, take him to an allergy specialist? You know what I said? I said, no. We have a Bible study every Thursday night at our house. I'd bring him over here and let us pray for him. And so you know what? She did. He got healed. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Next week, her husband come. He didn't want to be healed. He got healed anyway. Got his back healed. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we had this Bible study every Thursday night in Seagrace. And boy, they was persecuting us because we was in the Baptist church. And the deacons would drive up and down the street see who's there. Yeah. They told us. They, we heard that. They were driving up and down the street see who was there. We didn't care. Hallelujah. And they were gossiping about us. And they even, you know, so they had a meeting. And we were fellowshipping with these people called Johnny and Martha Gooding. And... Uh, and they were the only people else besides my grandmother that we knew in Seagraves that was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so we started, boy, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost on January 1. On January 2nd, we called Johnny and Martha and said, we're coming over. And we, we were fellowshipping all the time, Johnny and Martha. And they kind of had that reputation in Seagraves. I mean, everybody was kind of looking at them like this because they were long-term members of the Baptist church, but they had gotten filled with the Spirit. So that spring they said, well, 
okay, we're going to have church meeting. We're going to vote whether to kick Johnny, Johnny and Martha out of the church, Johnny Gooding out of the church. So they call this church meeting on Sunday night. I think it was on Sunday night. And they had a vote, and uh, they voted to kick Johnny and Martha out of the Baptist church. So they kicked them out. And on the way to the, on when the meeting, on my mother's walking into the meeting that night, and the, one of the deacons called her off into a side room, and she said, he said, we're getting Johnny Gooding tonight, and Michael Billings is next. <laughs> but you know what? We were so saturated. We didn't even care. It was like, ah, you know, it would have been like telling a drunk down at, uh, you know, the crimson whatever downtown. It's like, we're going to kick you out of the church. And he would have been like, so, you know, or so. I don't know what they would say, but I know that no drunk in town cares. And that's exactly how we were. We did not care. It didn't matter what they did to us. So we, we didn't want to call stir, so we just... We just resigned the Baptist church. And then we went to the Methodist church the next Sunday, and they were all like, oh, my God, we're scared. They just oh, they were just frozen. Because <laughs> this is a little town. Everybody knows everything, you know. You could get by with this in Tuscaloosa. And you know what? You, in this day and age, nobody's paying any attention. But that in that day and age, they were. And so uh, uh, i got to tell you, finish my story. But anyway, they... <coughs> So the next Sunday, we went to Lubbock just to get away from it all, went to Trinity Church. But then the next Sunday after that, we went to the Assembly of God, and they just opened their arms to us and loved us, though they didn't really completely get it. But they, you know, we were okay with them. Hallelujah. Praise God. So my point is saturation. So let's pray tonight. I'm going to pray this over you. Father... Every one of us in here and everybody we know needs to be saturated with your spirit. And Father, we ask you to arrange a Moed appointment, a time for us to all be saturated with the Holy Ghost to the point that, Lord, revival breaks out at River Church and affects this whole community, affects everybody we know, all our friends, all our loved ones. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we're hungry for saturation, and we need it. So, Father, we thank you. We know that you have spoken to us by your Spirit and said that we in March have entered a new place and a new phase in the Spirit. And we pray, Father, we open our hearts to everything and anything you want to, do, want to do. And we won't be afraid, and we won't be ashamed. And we, Lord, we will we'll just jump in with both feet. And Lord, we don't have a preconceived idea or expectation of how you'll do it. Because we know you work in many, many different ways. And Lord, we're fully okay with you doing it different than you've ever done before. And Lord, we expect to be unusual and to be a forerunner. And Lord, we're okay with that. And we give you praise. And everybody just thank him and agree with that in some way. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Lord, stop up our leaks. That is... Hallelujah. Stop up our leaks, Lord. And thank you, Father. And Lord, help us as we fast negativity. Help us to always see hope in every situation. Help us to, to, to lean and rely and trust in you in the places in our life that don't look like they're supposed to look. We just lean back on you and we trust you, Lord. And Lord, we speak when we when we hear negative, we speak good. And we thank you, Lord, that goodness comes to us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Work a work in our day that will be spoken of 20 years from now if Jesus tarries. We ask you, Lord, that it would be renowned. It would be renowned. And establish River Church like you said you would in Tuscaloosa, in the city, and in the state. You said that by the prophets. 
And we thank you for that establishing. We don't fully understand it. And we thank you, Father, for the framework that you're building on top of the foundation here at River Church. Lord, let that continue and be prosperous so that we have a framework that revival can rest upon. We give you all the glory, all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you felt the drop, the angel come by and drop something on you? I had a strong sense of that starting to happen right after we talked about that. Amen. Pastor?